0: Good morning, so as you know I am Reverend Carol Weger and I'm from the pastor at New Life in Christ Christian Church. Um, our congregation is located inside a detention center in Louisville Kentucky. It's with Dismiss Charities and the women that are serving their time in Dearson have been incarcerated because of drug and alcohol related charges. And in order for you to better understand their situations, I'd like to begin today's message with a modern day parable type story that was written by James Barnhill. And it's called Recipe for Broken Eggs. And I am recovering from laryngitis. I sound way better than I have all week. So um, I'm going to take a drink before I start, though. The young man shrugged off his backpack to a different resting place just above his kidneys. If he didn't shift the load's weight every half hour or so, he would end up with a throbbing pain and a bruise where the pack rode his lower spine. The morning was red, an angry newborn thing, the sun bopping low on the sea of the curdled clouds. As he marched into the blood-stained sunrise that straddled the eastern hills, little snails of sweat crawled over his forehead, dripping little glistening trails of salt into his eyes. It was going to be a hot one. Just as soon as the light was enough to squint around him, he hitched his bedroll to the backpack and absorbed the resting space for the night a shallow canyon that was partially shre- sheltered by a railroad trestle. He smirked a little as he thought of that resting space. He hadn't really gotten any rest at all. A couple of tramps have climbed down into the canyon at dusk and unrolled their bedrolls. After a few muttered words of greeting, no one had really spoken the rest of the night. No one had slept either. Each occupant of the shallow gulch had been afraid of dozing off in the presence of a stranger. It wouldn't have been the first time a coroner had been called to bag and tag the remains of yet another homeless person for a stained coat or a pair of worn shoes. So all three wanderers lying underneath the railroad tracks that night had gone without any sleep. Thoughts of rest and sleep brought the young man to cast his mind across the murky waters of the last few months back to the home that he had been forced to leave. To a bedroom that he used to sleep in deeply and well. To a house protected from the dangers of living rough on the open road. His baby sister would be on her way to school about now. Maybe she was waiting for the bus outside the rented apartment where they would once have their family home. He wondered if his baby sister ever thought of him. If she did, what were those thoughts? He remembered how her smile could light up the world, even on a dark day. Of course, most of those dark days had been his own making. Nobody had forced him to go down the twisted path that he'd chosen. Nobody had made him start dealing drugs from home to start selling the pills and the powder for the money he'd convinced himself that he desperately needed. That's what had really caused their lives to fall apart. The young man hadn't realized that the laws in their state mandated the immediate confiscation of homes where drugs were being dealt. And when the bust finally came, The time that the agents came boiling through the shattered door of their little house, bustling back in yellow fire ants from the wild galaxy of giants, he was already moving tens of thousands of dollars of coke and crack and X in any given week. So after his arrest, the state had taken the house. And his mom was forced to move whatever furniture she could manage to a small rented apartment in a part of town where people didn't go out alone at night. It was all she could afford. A tiny duplex with peeling paint in a part of the city where you turned your TV up high at night so you couldn't hear the angry voices of failed lives from next door or across the street. But there would be no quiet bedroom, no place for rest where that young man could rest his head at night. He was 16, and he would turn 17 next month. And although as a minor and a first-time offender, he'd gotten off with probation, but there would be no going home for him. In fact, his mother wouldn't even let him in the front door. He didn't blame her at all. It was probably for the best that she put space between him and the family that he crippled. So he'd taken to the open road. He had some idea of maybe heading east, east to one of the big cities, east to an unnamed place where he might find a construction job or simply lose himself in anonymity of the big city population. He didn't really have a clear idea of the plan that he was going to have, except that he was going away. Traffic was picking up now on the little road that he was headed on. Probably early morning commuters or parents taking their kids to school before rushing back to their office jobs nearby. Thoughts of school led to thoughts of books. And thoughts of books caused the young man to stop for a moment and shrug off his pack and stoop down on the glass, grassy embankment beside the road. He needed to make sure he still had it. Reaching his hand into the side flap of his backpack, he pulled out the tiny, black, well worn book. It was, in fact, a pocket version of the Gideon Bible. For some reason, he felt greatly comforted that the book was still where he had stowed it the night before, the evening of the strange encounter. That day that the road that he had traveled had skirted to the skate- state park was still on his mind, and as the twilight faded to a dark glooming, he'd seen near the roadside what looked like a campfire. Curious, the boy turned off the road and started walking toward the light. He passed between the massive trunks of old-growth hardwoods which creaked softly under the growing weight of the night. It indeed was a campfire. The sparks rose and died in the dusk, dancing for a moment with the first stars before flaring out to ash and drifting into nothingness. Someone had even pitched a small gray tent there by the roadside at the edge of the park. This was good, he said to himself. Campers, the young man knew, were recreational travelers. As such, they didn't normally represent a threat to wanderers like himself. In fact, a lone camper might very well be the one to be afraid of the stranger walking up. But the man he'd met that night had seemed to be somehow above fear. As the boy neared his fire, a man rose from the folding chair where he'd been sitting. He reached out his hand in a smiling welcome, as though he'd actually been expecting a guest. And the man had shared his dinner that night, some trout he'd caught in a bright river which ran along the road. It was a good trout too, tender and fresh and flavored with sprigs of rosemary and thyme. As the warmth of the fire enfolded him in that easy lethargy, which sometimes comes with a good meal, the boy found himself emptying his heart to this stranger. The words geysered out of him. Then the man said a strange thing. You know, you can't unbreak broken eggs. But if you're careful with them, guided by the right recipe, you can make a pretty good omelet. Then the man had revealed that he was actually a pastor in a small church 40 miles from the state park. As the pastor, this bearded preacher with peaceful eyes, had told the man about David, a man in the Bible who had done some horrible things, the man listened. David was a mighty king, and he had arranged the murder of another man, so that David could take the man's wife to be his own. Now that was a terrible crime, and God had paid, made David pay for it because all crimes require payment in the end. That didn't mean that God had stopped loving David. In fact, with God's help, David went on to do amazing, incredible things. And then the strange pastor with the warm brown eyes told the boy about Mary Magdalene. Some people called her Mary of Bethany. She was a woman that had a terrible past, too. But Jesus forgave her, and the swelling depths of gratitude were such that she came one night to Jesus and washed his feet with her tears and dried those beautiful feet with her hair. Mary's story became an inspiration for thousands of years to multitudes of people, an example of how it's never too late. No one is ever too far gone to turn away from the life of chaos and destruction because it's never too late to give yourself completely to the mercy of God. The boy had drifted into sleep that night, a peaceful, dreamless sleep, the kind of sleep that he hadn't had for many days. When he woke up the next morning, he found that he was alone. The only thing to mark the presence of the strange man from God was a small Bible that lay beside his backpack. When the boy opened the Bible, He found on the inside cover, the pastor had written the day's day's date and a note. I give this book to you. Study it carefully. It is full of wonderful recipes for what you can do with broken eggs. Now most of the women at Dearson haven't been arrested for trafficking drugs in the quantity that this man in the story has but many have been deeply affected by addiction. And they have found themselves doing horrible things that they wouldn't have normally done if not for that addiction. And as a result, they have stories that are similar to the man in James Barnhill's story. Isolation from their families, life on the streets, But what you don't know is what has led them up to that point in their life. Many of our ladies were abused as children, emotionally, physically, sexually. Many of them have mental illnesses that they had suffered from for their whole lives. Many of our ladies have come from relationships that were just filled with domestic violence. But, and that's a big but, they are not choosing to use these past, their horrible circumstances, as a legitimate reason to stay in the situations in which they once lived. Why? Because of people like you people like pastor scott we are the pastor in the bible in the story that i shared with you just now we are bringing the light of christ to these women and showing them how much god has for bigger plans in their lives reverend derek pinwell from douglas boulevard christian church in louisville shared this in his with his congregation this past sunday He said, But those who follow Jesus have been shown a different kind of world, one where the people who feel responsible for aren't just those we care about, but those who don't have a resource to care for themselves, where we view our resources not as things we must protect against the horde of others, but as things we share with strangers, those who we call family. I call the women at Dearson my family, and I know that several of you do, too. While the facility houses up to 80 to 85 women, lately I've had up to 40, and sometimes over that. That's half the population of the facility. In 2017, we had 42 women either be baptized or rededicate their life to Christ. It's such a beautiful thing to experience a baptism there. Because we don't have a beautiful baptistry like most churches have. We have a metal feeding trough that they use for cows and horses. And these women come in and are baptized in that situation. And it's such a beautiful thing to experience that. These women are transformed during their time at Dearson. And through donations to MB3 and volunteer hours from area congregations, we're able to offer life skill classes. We've had creative cooking classes. And we don't have a kitchen there. So we are talking very creative cooking classes. We offer financial classes. We have women come in from J-Town Christian Church. They're called the Grateful Threads, and they offer knitting and crocheting classes that the women do twice a year as a mission project, and they crochet scarves and baby blankets for Wayside Christian Mission. We've also had a class that's called 99 Days in a Get-Up that we have that we offer the women to um, reintroduce them to society in a good way. We've had uh, Bible study classes. We've had accepting yourself self-esteem classes that has included how not to pick a jerk in your next relationship. We've also offered Advent classes, um, we are, even in 2018, we've offered a class on how to start your own business, an empowering women class that has included makeup for job interviews, so things that we take for granted that the women in Dearson have never thought about, we've offered these classes, and it's because of donations to Mission Behind Bars and The New Life in Christ. Um, we also offer n- nurture, support, and accountability groups to any returning citizen that is interested in the program. And as a result, we have reduced the chances of recidivism, which is reincarceration, from 40% to less than 15%. Our ladies are so thankful for everything that is planned or done on their behalf and they are so welcoming to congregations that come and worship with us. You can ask anyone that has come from this congregation, and I hope that you can come in June when Holling comes back to worship with us. If you've never been, just ask Pastor Scott or Bill or anyone that's come. You'll be blessed by worshiping with these ladies, and I thank you for continuing to be a light to my broken eggs. Thank you very much.